Hello, welcome back to Monster Frequency. It's me, Ben, here. Thank you very much indeed for listening. Now, fans of technology and innovation, you're going to be quite excited about this episode. We've got a truly fantastic guest, Dr. Jonathan Sakir. Now, Jonathan serves as Chief Medical Counsel for Helios Medical Technologies, and he's helping bring a range of medical advances to market. He served as visiting professor of surgery at Oxford University. And trust me when I say that he's been involved with a range of really remarkable breakthroughs in medical technology over the years. Perhaps one of the most notable things that he did early on uh, is he was involved with the world's first uh, commercial surgical robot, ESOP, the Automatic Endoscopic System for Optimal Positioning. Now, don't worry if you have no idea what that means. Um, Dr. Sakia is here with us. He's going to run through some of these um, f- absolutely fantastic breakthroughs that he's bo- involved with. And a lot of these things really do sound like they're kind of straight out of a sci-fi film. So prepare yourself to hear um, some really fascinating developments um, in surgical science. He's also a pilot because apparently that wasn't quite enough. So he's a pilot as well. And he's even going to use the acronym Star Wars in this little chat. Yeah, see that. let's see how he accomplishes that, shall we? And now, because he's very clearly a man who very much enjoys innovation, I thought I'd start our chat just by asking him what drives him to be innovative. Let's hear what he had to say. I'm just fascinated by the process of invention and innovation. So the development of something new and its de- its deployment to improve um, outcomes for patients. Um, and I'd like to say we're all going to be patients sooner or later. So having had the privilege of practicing medicine for many years and seeing, you know, people who are dealing with uh, acute or chronic illnesses, anything we can do to improve their outcomes, we should do. And I don't know if it's the way my mind works when it's been something I've developed or it's just that I enjoy the company of smart and disruptive people who see the world through a different optic so i think the one thing all the different um inventions and innovations i've been involved with have in common is that they're disruptive they think of we've always done it this way why don't we do it that way kind of an approach yeah that's that's fascinating i mean i imagine you probably folk you know face an awful lot of people just you know thinking oh no that sounds too much like science fiction or something you know especially with robotic surgery I mean I know obviously you know it is used um, nowadays but imagine when you kind of were first getting involved with this and kind of first pushing through those breakthroughs people probably uh, I'm guessing you did experience a lot of people saying you know what on earth is that sort of thing yeah I'm going to probably go to paraphrase because I can't remember the exact quote and I think it was Arthur C. Clarke but if I'm wrong um, my respects to who, who it was but there's an expression that but to the uninitiated, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Yes. And worlds of innovation, invention, if something is obvious, then it's probably too late for it to make any big splash. Um, the, the, the initial robotic development, it's actually it's kind of a dopey story, um, I was giving a a lecture at at the American College of Surgeons many moons ago, and they had asked me to give a talk on um, a particular surgical procedure, and I said no because I'd given that talk so many times I was sick of the sound (laughs) of my own And they said, well, what would you like to talk about? And I thought, well, why don't I just wax lyrical, hopefully, 
about what the future could bring. And my final slide was a cartoon that was drawn by an old school friend of mine. A shout out to Robin God. Um, and it showed a sort of caricature of me sitting in an armchair with a martini in my hand with like Nintendo controllers and in a cutaway another room Robbie the robot was operating on something and I made some glib stupid comment about you know robots operating on people and I get a telephone call a few weeks later from a very very brilliant scientist Yulam Wang who remains a, a close friend and collaborator and he said something to the line of i understand you're an expert on medical robotics and i said well you're you're sorely mistaken because i'm not an expert on anything and by the way what's medical robotics <laughs> uh, he had developed a robot for use in the what's called the strategic defense initiative or star wars uh pointing laser beams at erstwhile soviet missile silos so they could be blown up before they launched and start a nuclear war that was the principle and basically the program had been cancelled and Ulam was left with this phenomenal piece of kit um and he said to me how can we use this in surgery i said well if we could use it to control the laparoscope that would mean we didn't need to find someone to hold the scope during an operation and a machine could probably do a much better job than a human being. And that was the start of ESOP, the Automated Endoscopic System for Optimal Positioning. And then we collaborated on a whole range of other uh, mythological Greek characters. And that company, Computer Motion, did quite well, eventually got incorporated into what is now Intuitive Surgical. And then Yulan went off to start... Uh, in touch health and i played a very small role in the early days of that and we're now uh, i'm now supporting him with his world telehealth initiative helping to bring telemedicine and robotics to parts of the world where they haven't got anything so yeah it's been a marvelous journey it's absolutely fantastic! What an awesome story as well. You know, the, the kind of mention of the uh, the Star Wars acronym there—that kind of got me thinking because I was reading actually, and I can't, I couldn't quite believe what I was what I was reading. Really, man, just so so mind blowing. But I, I've even seen actually that there is actually spin offs for for some of that work in, in in NASA, for example, servicing of satellites using kind of you know the breakthroughs that are made in medical robotics might yes. be used in the future to kind of um, you know service satellites and do. things things like that as well, which which just blew my mind. Absolutely. No, I mean, it, it, it's not uncommon when you spin a technology from one application, it will eventually find its way back there. Yeah, fantastic. Well, I'm, uh, moving on to some of the kind of other things that you're kind of involved with, well, I was thinking one really nice thing to do um, might be, if it's okay with yourself, because uh, some of our listeners might be, you know, kind of, um, you know, in that kind of area, you know, involved with tech startups and, um, you know, various medical writing firms and, and things like that. And I was thinking, it might be a bit of a daft question, really, but I was kind of thinking, you know, you're clearly, you know, had loads of experience, the kind of innovation and the kind of, you know, getting into that entrepreneurial mindset. You've clearly got that. And I was wondering if you could kind of come up with, and it might be difficult on the spot, but a New Year's resolution for some people might be to try and get more into that mindset. You know, you, you kind of hear things about, you know, the 5am club and things like that, don't you? And I was wondering if there's anything that actually does work for yourself, you know, to kind of keep engaged and keep innovating and keeping in that mindset 
do any of you have any kind of tips for for doing that or is that a daft question no there are no daft questions um yeah it's a, it's a very good question i mean i i think if i had any new year's resolution it would be learn to say no because i find it very hard to say no to new um new opportunities new ideas that kept me excited um and i guess i must have adhd and you know i like seeing the new and the shiny um i i do have five rules of engagement if you will and i encourage people to have their own rules of engagement there's um my five i'm hesitating because i want to say politely on air rule number one is predicated on a book i read uh by a i think he's a berkeley in the united states it's it's only working with people who you like and respect um you know, some people say you should never do business with friends my belief is you should only do business with friends i, I you know I'm, I'm i'm apparently going to spend a very long time dead so the time that i'm alive i'd like to spend with people who i enjoy spending time with and who make me uh, laugh which is the second rule which is do something that makes you happy because then it's not work it's um it, it, it's joy right um and then the third rule would be to learn something new every single day because if you're learning you're stimulated and if you're stimulated you're you're likely to be active um the fourth rule would be to do things that leave the world in a better place and one of my mentors in 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 medical business was the late uh, bill cook who started a massive medical device company and he was a, a fabulous human being he was to hang out with great 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 man who I had the privilege to know um and then the final rule would be um succeed failure is not an option um there will be plenty of people who will tell you why you can't do what you want to do why it's not going to work and you know what's the old story about edison the his assistant said i don't know whether it was 100 or 1000 we've tried 100 or 1000 things mr edison they had none of them worked this is a disaster and he said no actually this is wonderful because we now know the 100 or 1000 things that don't work so we're yes. closer to the one that will work yes uh, yeah it's just having that i guess degree of commodity belligerence that you're not going to say no you're just going to keep going and you're going to refuse to lose That's fantastic. Well, thank you very much for that. And that's those are definitely five rules that yeah, listeners should definitely take note of. Yeah, thank you for that. I might have to take note of them myself as well, actually, Jonathan. So thank thank you much appreciated. <laughs> I was I was thinking as well about perhaps um, and this is another thing kind of on your kind of long list of things you've been um, involved with. Which I, with that, I, just, I just think it's fantastic how you managed to do this as well as all these other things. But um, a keen pilot as well, and, and and you've actually been a medical consultant for um, OAPA, I think how you pronounce it, Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association. But yeah, I thought that'd be really cool just to mention that work. I was trying to imagine if there's any kind of crossover at all. I can imagine there might be a slight amount of crossover in the obviously you know the kind of robotic surgery side to things and the kind of piloting aircraft side to things obviously both involve you know quite fabulous technology i don't know if that's trying to think of a crossover there <laughs> you know for me aviation is oh, it's so many things there's the 
there's the intellectual challenge of all the things that you have to know. There's the physical challenge of doing a good job and never being satisfied with the work you do and constantly revising, reviewing, considering. Someone once said to me, how do you know if you've made a great landing? And, you know, in aviation terms, we say a good landing is one that you walk away from. A great landing is one where you get to use the aeroplane again. <laughs> I, I, I always said, a great landing? Well, I'll tell you when I've made a great landing because every time I've flown, I always think I could have done better. Um, so, I, you know, there's all the technical and intellectual elements of flying, but then, frankly, there's also there's something about taking off on a, a misty morning and climbing above valleys that are sheathed in fog. Um, there's something about flying uh, at night with just the firmament above you, you know, just yourself in a metal tube, tens of thousands of feet above the earth. Um, and from a business perspective, you know, whilst I was living in the United States, I would fly myself all around the continent and beyond. And boy, it was so convenient, so, so efficient. Um, and yes, uh, you know, I've tried to develop a few innovations in, in, in flying and in flying technique. And I'm also very interested in human performance and aviation demands human performance. Um, and I love writing. So I've been writing for my organization, AOPA. When I say mine, I belong to it. I'm not... You know, I don't lead it or anything, but um, yeah, it's a way of giving back and communicating to my fellow pilots, many of whom, of course, are also doctors. So, um, yeah, it's been it's been a joy, and I encourage anyone out there listening, anyone, look, if I can get a pilot's license, you can get a pilot's license. Um, it is intellectually, it is hard work. It's not inexpensive, but it's not as expensive as people think it is. Oh, that's fantastic. I think it comes back to one one of the one of your five rules, isn't it? About you know doing something that you that you love to do. You know, make sure you fill your life with things like that, and you're bound to kind of succeed in those things, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's a there's a lovely song by uh, Pink Floyd. I think it was written by Roger Waters called "Astonishingly Learning to Fly," and it was about his experiences learning to fly. My son tells me it's an allegory for for life, but there's a line in it um, as you taxi onto the runway, something I've done thousands of times, and I always feel this sense of awe because there's a line into the distance, a ribbon of black, stretched to the point of no turning back. And I just always think of... Um, I always think of that sensation uh, and think how privileged I was to be able to fly aeroplanes. And it's like, again, everything else in life. We spend a long time dead, suck as much juice as you can out of every single day. That's fantastic. Yeah, what a philosophy to live by. And, and you know, I, I think you've actually just answered uh, one of, because one of my last questions is always, would you like a song request? But I think you might have actually already answered that. Maybe it is some Pink Floyd, or is it going to be something different? <laughs> There's a, um, a phrase that we use in, in flying about, you know, making radio requests and turning what's called the OBS uh, prior to a turn. And it's triple T's. 
and there's a line in the song tongue tied and twisted which i believe is a nod to that um i i love that song i mean i love pink floyd but yeah that would be my song <laughs> nice well thanks jonathan it's been absolutely fantastic um chatting to you i was wondering actually i don't know if you've ever collaborated with a, with a chap called professor guang zong yang he used to direct um imperial's hamlin center for robotic surgery i don't I, it just occurred to me that you might have brushed shoulders with him because he was a former guest on the show don't know if he yeah rings any bells his name we've never crossed paths i'm currently working on a new project uh with some wonderful people uh in the united states um and it's it's an MRI compatible robot that's going to allow us to literally conduct surgical procedures whilst imaging lesions, uh, for instance, in the brain, wow, um, yeah. using non-ferrous metals and 3D printed components. And the genius of a guy named uh, Greg Fisher at the Worcester Polytechnic Institute in the northeast uh, US of A. Um, uh, who came out of Russ Taylor's lab. You know, there's a small cadre of people around the world who are utterly brilliant in this fold, and I just consider myself such a lucky boy to be able to sort of play in the sandbox with them. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, you've got, got, a, got a, a very long list of absolutely incredible breakthroughs that you've been involved with. So I think, yeah, you you, you more than deserve to be to be among them. You, you, you're definitely one of them. So yeah, I mean, thanks well, for chatting to us. I, I carry their backs. They're, they're, they're the real brains. I, I just carry. <laughs> oh no, far, far too modest. But yeah, thank thank you very much, Jonathan. Really, really enjoyed chatting to you. Well, Dr. Sakia, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Monster Frequency. We'll have to grab you again very soon. So if you're listening in and you have any questions for Dr. Sakia, pop them my way because I'll probably just force him to answer them. I'll just bombard his inbox. That's fine. I'm sure he won't mind. Maybe a bit, but Dr. Sakia, thank you very much. Now do join us again for our next episode of Monster Frequency. We'll be dropping very soon here on our channel. So stay tuned. (laughs) 